Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It is your Cape Crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our returning friend, Roland Mann of Silverline Comics. How are you doing? And welcome to the stormy land of Ohio. <laughs> it's been pouring rain outside. Um, I was setting up the stream earlier and the power did cut. So guys, to give you a heads up, if this stream does close down, we are going to get back together and finish out the rest of it. I'm gonna go ahead and then edit that video and then live stream that video. So this interview will proceed come hell or truly high water. Uh, with that being said, Roland, how are you doing? How have you been since the last Kickstarter, man? I am I am doing well, thank you, sir. And uh, I probably shouldn't rub it in that uh, I'm down in Florida where it's uh, sunny and hot. <laughs> hey, we were just talking about it though. Your your time will come. Your time yes, will it come will. soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll just just wait a couple of hours and uh, <laughs> we'll get some rain probably. So we were talking uh, backstage, and uh, holy crap, this is your, you said 19th Kickstarter? 19th. Yes, oh, sir. man. So how did your 18th go? I know we were talking about that last time you were on. How did you end up finishing, and uh, where are you at with that? Well, so our 18th one, I, 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 you get to be like the first to see them all. The Just like last one. time, we were an exclusive for that cover last time. Let's go. Right. So I just uh, I just got these from the printer. Oh, so, those are gorgeous. Uh, Yep. So I am in the in the process of fulfilling. Uh, so packages will start going out on um, early next week. So uh, I'm excited. They look great. Um, our, our printer is Kablam, and they do an awesome job. Uh, so yeah, we're we're incredibly excited. <clears throat> should be uh, should be smooth sailing. To I don't anticipate any problems. So uh, all these things, uh, all of them, should be out by the end of next week. I I, I anticipate so. No, I gotcha. Um, yep. So that will be 18 uh, fulfilled on time. <laughs> Holy crap. That is so awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. You. So Thank for you. anyone that's watching that didn't get a chance to watch our last video, and I will be putting that up if you're watching, it'll be popping up on the screen at this point right now. Um, who are you? And give us a little bit of a breakdown of Silverline Comics as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm Roland Man. I've been working in comic books uh, for years. Um, I started in the late '80s uh, when part, as part of the black and white boom. Uh, anyone who's a comics kind of historian knows a little bit about it. Uh, thanks to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and others, there was a black and white independent boom in the late '80s, and that's where I got my start. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. And um, so I started off in a book uh, with a book called Cat and Mouse that uh, ran for a couple of years, got some critical acclaim. Folks seemed to like it. Um, and then I moved on to do other things, ultimately landing at Malibu Comics, which, uh, where I was an editor. I edited things like Dinosaurs for Hire, Ex-Mutants, uh, Protectors, things that uh, a lot of fans of independent comics will remember. And then I moved over to the Ultraverse, which was Malibu's probably hot, uh, biggest and hottest property um, of the time. And I did that until Marvel bought us. I became a Marvel editor. And then a few years later, Marvel shut everything down. And then I launched Silverline. Um, I don't have any of my old ones handy, but uh, I launched Silverline, ran for it. But this was, here's the problem. This was the wrong time to do it. Marvel declared bankruptcy. That's the reason they fired everybody, right? So the industry was hurting and the industry was struggling. But I launched, the, I launched an independent comic company. And uh, from 97 then, uh, I, I, I lost my job at Marvel in 96. 97, I launched Silverline. And 2001, I called it quits because I lost way too much money. Um, 
And then, but I, you know, I, I published 13. So here, keep this in mind, right? From 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. So, so in four years, Silverline published 13 issues. Okay. Wow. That's the, number, that's, that's the number to keep in mind. So we published 13 issues. And uh, so I called it quits, uh, went back to school, got a degree, started teaching, um, which is what I do now is my day job. And a few years ago, I just wanted to get, I, I just wanted to do comics. I love comics and I just mm -hmm. wanted to make comics again. So I did. I started that. And the people I was working with said, well, why don't you restart Silverline? And I'm like, ah, yeah, you know what? I lost a lot of money. I just want to make comic books. And mm -hmm. so they kept at me, kept at me, kept at me. And, and uh, my wife joined them this time. She said, you really should. And I'm like, what? You know, and she said, yeah, just don't lose money. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was my directive getting started from her is like, just don't lose money. And so, you know, I'm trying to think about, well, how could you do possibly do independent comics without losing money? And and Kickstarter was around. So I'm like, well, you know, I could utilize this platform to help us raise some funds to do what we're trying to do. That way I don't I don't lose money. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we did. So um, so remember, I said 13 comics from 97 to, to 2001. Right. So we started Silverline. I'm calling it a 3.0 um in 19 okay so from 19 till today right so 19 20 21 22 so in three years time we have done about 22 comics <laughs> yeah that is insane yeah. so how many comics are you uh launching like with each kickstarter well so we started off you know we just do one uh we did that for three kickstarters and then we was like well hey let's do flip books because we got two books now right so flip books was a big thing in the 90s and uh the reactions uh, everyone was like yeah that sounds cool do flip books you know so we did flip books for probably a year so probably about six campaigns um so that would be two books a time and then this kickstarter now is contains three books our last kickstarter uh contained three books right mm -hmm. so we've been doing three books with our our kickstarters um we are talking in 2023 so we're gonna finish out 22 um uh, doing three books the next one will have three so we've already got uh, our, we've already got two scheduled uh we, we work our schedule at least a year in, in, in advance as to when our Kickstarters would be, be scheduled. Mm -hmm. We don't know the exact books because um, as you know, I told you last time, um, we wanna make sure that we always deliver. And so we, we make sure that before we launch our Kickstarter, our books are, are close enough to finishing that we can finish by the time the campaign's over or either they're already done, right? Um, like for this, can, this current campaign, Switchblade is done. You know, the only thing we had to do with, with Switchblade was get a couple of covers. Mm -hmm. um, so it was done before we even launched uh, launched the campaign. Um, and so we've got, we've already got the dates picked out for, for our next two campaigns will be in September and then in, in November. And then we're, we're actually working on finalizing the campaign schedule for 23. So, so you do, you do uh, about every other month. Yes, we have been doing every other month. We're, we're probably going to change that in 23 um well at least that's the talk the talks are changing it in 23 to uh maybe four in a year but yeah, what more... a mad lad oh you kept mentioning 23 and i was like he's he's gonna go for four isn't he <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, I mean, but, but we're gonna reduce the number of Kickstarters, though. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, at four issues, like that, you know, that adds a lot more to the equation, right? Like you're looking at a lot more weight for just distribution. Like, you know, what are you guys doing to uh, to work, uh, you know, with that? Uh, you you talking about as far as mailing goes? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the, the I don't know the answer to that it's just something we just gotta we gotta figure out. Okay, um, no, I love it though. Figuring out on the way, that's how you gotta do it, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing you're right, you gotta do it. You just gotta figure it out. Um, you gotta make it work. And and that's just something that we have kind of always been because for us it's always been about the comics. Let's just make comics because number one, we love making comics. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's a lot of us. I'm not gonna say everybody at Silverline, but there's a lot of us who are kinda like yeah, you know what? If we just print up ten copies for us, I'll probably keep making comics. Just that's how much that's how much we enjoy making them. You know, of course, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us have been doing it. Like, there's there's several of us on the team that have been doing it for thirty years, right? Um, and and so you know, we, we say that, but ultimately, see, yeah, we want people to read it. Of course, you know, we we want to put it in their hands. But um, yeah, you just you just figure it out. You just um, you know that that's the advantage I think of being. Um, not a big monstrosity. You being something small mm-hmm. is that you can be agile and you can say, okay, this is not working. We got to change this right now, and you can make that change, right? Where if you had a, if you're a big company, you'd have to go all through all the red tape to try to get stuff changed. So yeah, yeah. So man, I'm still floored. 19 Kickstarters. What's been <laughs> some of the what, what's been some of the ups and downs that you guys have gone through? I mean, well, guys, don't worry. We will eventually get to what we're here for today. But I, I got to ask these questions. I'm so intrigued like that because that is such a large number. Like, so what are, what are some of the uh, ups and downs you've experienced running so many different Kickstarters? So um, so one of the one of the downs is um, trying to maintain the schedule. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone who's run a Kickstarter knows it's a lot of work. Right. I mean, it's, it's just uh, you're constantly uh, trying to social media, trying to make people be aware. But there's also you've got to continue to you've got to continue to communicate with your backers. Right. Because the one of the one of the That's things true. you can't do if you run a Kickstarter is go silent. Because if you go silent, then that's when that's when you know backers begin to question things. Uh oh, they've gone silent. Has something gone up? Are they going to run away with my money? You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and you, you know you would think, well, okay, you guys have done you know almost 20, 20 campaigns. That's not a concern. You would like to think that, but here's the thing: we get new backers all the time. We get you know we get people who've never heard of us. They're like, hey, I've never heard of you guys. I'm going to back you. And a lot of times they'll back us in a big way. They'll they'll get what what um, what we're kickstarting, but mm-hmm. then they'll also go to the back issue thing and and, and order a bunch of back issues, right? So they're like, <laughs> you know, they'll drop up a chunk of cash, and then if if you go silent, they're like, uh, oh no, these guys have run off with my money. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that that's uh, that's the one thing you've got to you've got to kind of always be on. And with us doing when we went to the bi monthly schedule. Um, that got to be tough because I was either, I felt like anyway, I felt like I'm either in a campaign or fulfilling a campaign. Mm-hmm. There's no, there, I mean, there's no, whew, let me take a breath and, 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 you know, catch my breath and take a mm-hmm. rest. There, there's that's, that just doesn't exist. Um, so that's been, that's kind of been one of the downs. Well, I tell you one of the other downs is, um, 
uh, should I say this? I guess I can say this. Kickstarter won't be listening, will it? Ooh, yeah. Uh, uh, maybe I'm having Kickstarter on uh, August 24th. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to uh, the uh, director of comic, uh, uh, the, the comic outreach. Uh, the Sweet. publishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the yeah. day after, I have the president of a crowdfunder on. Like, it's, it's okay, a pretty so, big. So don't, don't, don't repeat this then. So, I won't. I won't. <laughs> so, so what happened is because of the frequency, um, they wouldn't let us launch another one, right? They they would not let my 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 account launch another one, and so we're like, well, we this we've got this, and I didn't even think about it when we were talking about. It. I just mm -hmm. assumed, hey, I could do another one, right? I've got one, it's finished. I could do another one, um, and I don't know how they made the decisions, but they're like, hey, it doesn't look like you fulfilled. Well, I, the only thing I can guess is they looked at the dates that I said I was going to fulfill, and because it was in that that same month they were like oh you haven't fulfilled yet and i'm like what yes i have you know um so i actually opened up another account and so what we started doing is we started alternating you know this account runs mm -hmm. this this campaign and this account runs this campaign and this account runs this campaign and then this account runs this campaign um so yeah we started alternating in in order to to get away from those issues and we haven't had issues since we've since we've done that um but that was a kind of a challenge because it's like how do you deal with uh with kickstarter yeah um yeah, yeah. Well, real quick uh we have uh the nerd people f uh forget over on twitch asking uh didn't you work at malibu yeah you were talking about that earlier yes. weren't you I sure. So yep. I'm trying to think. There was someone I interviewed. Tell them to ask me questions about Malibu. Anything they want to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say there was someone I interviewed not too long ago, uh, who I think worked there. Uh, Chris. I want to say it was Chris. He uh, came out with Behemoth. Maybe I might be wrong about that. His, I I do not know how to pronounce his last name. It starts with a K. And hold on, let me look it up. I was it's like, say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Kibna to Google. Kibnak. Oh man. I cannot. Uh, he worked on Spider-Man though. Spider-Man and uh, X-Men Icons on uh, Nightcrawl. I, I, if I, I remember, I think he said something about working at Malibu at some yeah, point. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, um, that's not that's that's not get me anything. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's not. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the folks that uh, worked at Malibu worked at at also went on either had been already or went on to work at, at Marvel and DC. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I'm gonna say not everybody, but I'm gonna say a whole bunch of folks um at malibu ended up doing i mean we had um like hank was uh, my, uh, the guy who was the editor he was the line editor of the ultraverse hank ended up being at dc for 20 almost 25 years wow uh, yeah he was a uh, he in his last position he was the uh okay I, he had this long title but it was the the vice president of digital publishing something 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 <laughs> yeah some, 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 and uh, Mark Panicia, who is an X, the X Men line editor today, he is still there. He's been there for you know 20, uh, 25 years. He was uh, an editor at Malibu. Um, but yeah, a lot of the creators, a lot of the freelancers went on to to work at, at Marvel or DC, and that's cool. And I guess some, some of them we were able to get from Marvel and DC. <laughs> hey, we know you're doing a Marvel book, why don't you come do something for us, you know. Um, this was before Marvel bought us, obviously, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I worked at Malibu and I will tell you this, you know, um, uh, you, you talk to just about anyone who, who worked at Malibu and they're going to tell you they absolutely love their time there. Same for me. It was a fantastic place. Uh, it was, um, the, the, you know, it was, there were four founders, 
who started the company, uh, Tom Mason, Chris Holm, Dave Ulbrich, and Scott Rosenberg. And these guys built a, a way cool company. Um, they they had good attitudes. They, it was a positive company to work for. It was all about making comics and, and I mean, making money, of course, but making comics, making money, having some fun. And uh, you, you talk to just about anybody who worked there, they're going to tell you that's been one of the their best periods of their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, Silverline is not that. I don't. I mean, this is kind of my office. Uh, we don't have a you know a building or anything. But if 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 I can do anything at Silverline, what I want to try to do is recapture the spirit that Malibu had. Malibu very much had a spirit of independence. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I can if I can recapture that, and, and and you know I'll tell you, several of the people that I work with also worked with me at Malibu. Uh, Barb Calberg, who is the uh, she's inking Cat and Mouse, but she's also the creator, writer, inker, colorist of her own book, Divinity. Mm-hmm. She was um, she w- she was an inker at uh, Malibu. She did a whole bunch of stuff for us. Curtis Fujita, who who was an, a 15 year old intern at Malibu. When I was there, he went from an intern to an editorial assistant. Curtis is now our creative director, and he is doing his, uh, he's working on his own comic called Shadow Ghost. A um, uh, guy who colored the first couple of issues of Cat and Mouse, uh, his name is Kevin Gallagher. He was a, a colorist there. Um, uh, Roberta Conroy, who is uh, the colorist of, she, she picked up uh, Cat and Mouse, but she's also the colorist of Silverline uh, Team Up. Uh, awesome. she, was, she was a colorist there. Uh, Thomas Floramonte, the guy who, um, my good buddy here, um, he uh, inked, uh, I'm trying to think, did he ink anything on the one I just got? No, but he inked uh, the current, oh, he, he so he's the inker of Trump's. Uh, he inks a lot of stuff. He inks a bunch of our covers. So uh, another person I interviewed, I'm like, you know, I've been trying to look it up, but I, I cannot find it. Um, <laughs> Ron uh, Randall, did he work uh, at Malibu? Yeah, because I interviewed him, and I think I, I could have sworn that he talked about that too. Uh, like uh, we're working over at Malibu. Um, I'm trying to remember what what he. So Ron Randall, the trekker, that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember anything that he might have worked on at Malibu. Um, but I might be I might to, I might be totally wrong on those on those writers, but I know I've talked to a couple people who were involved with like Malibu is like. Well, I keep hearing about it because I it was one of yeah. those things like yeah, and, and people like I got my starter, I worked there, and I'm like every time I hear it, I'm like, okay, and then like I know I'm gonna look back and I'm gonna sound like a jackass. I'm like, oh, it was this guy, I was totally wrong. But <laughs> no, um, no, it's okay. It's like gets well, so, my head, the gears are in my head are just churning. So so keep this in mind, Cody. In 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 the early nineties, Malibu was often the number three publishing company behind uh, Marvel Dark Horse, and DC. Dar- yeah, Dark Horse wasn't around uh, before Malibu, No, right? no, no, Dark Horse was around. It was? Yeah. Okay. It, 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 it was often Marvel, DC, Malibu, Dark Horse. Mm. Uh, now, it, it, there were there were a bunch of months that was, you know, Malibu, I'm sorry, uh, Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Malibu. Uh, usually if Dark Horse printed an Aliens or Predator comic, we were number four. Okay. <laughs> If they didn't print an Aliens or Predator comic, we were number three. <laughs> See, uh, if I remember, I want to say Ron said he went to go uh, work 
before Dark Horse, like right when it started. So I was just yeah, I think he did. Um, he worked for their Comics Greatest World, I think. Um, Dark Horse's Comics Greatest World. Does that sound familiar? I, I want to. I he was interviewed yeah. like sixty something. So that that, <laughs> that was. It's crazy to think about. It's um, been a minute. Yeah, that nerd people forgot said I love Malibu. Some of my first comics because people just didn't want them anymore. And then said, yeah, the artists on Protectors works for you guys, right? Artists on Protectors. The artists on Protectors. So that would have been Thomas Derenick and no. Um, Thomas uh, Derenick actually went to do big things at DC. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, R.A. Jones, who's the writer of Protectors, uh, does uh, work for us. He wrote um, he wrote a book called Twilight Grimm that uh, we just have the fourth issue yet to do. Uh, which is being drawn by uh, Rob Davis, who did Star Trek for us at Malibu. Um, uh, so, so we had some artists towards the end of the run. Uh, when kind of when we knew when Thomas Derenick left, we kind of had um, we were searching for another artist to take his place, and so we went through a couple of different uh, ones. And I'm trying to think who uh, who he might have been referring to. Um, that that because uh, I, as you might imagine, um, I reached out to a bunch of them. oh, Willie Peppers. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Willie Peppers did uh, the last issue. Willie Peppers has just agreed to do uh, some stuff with us, so okay. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about I always liked Willie's uh, work and never really had the opportunity to work with him much beyond that. Uh, but he and I have kept in touch over the years, and so he's going to be hopefully doing something for Silverline soon. Um, so no, the protectors would have been, um, he, they might be thinking Dean Zachary mm -hmm. who, who drew the ferret, uh, Dean drew the ferrets and then he did uh, nightman. Uh, he said, did the ferret with the protectors line. And then he did uh, some nightman with the ultraverse. Uh, and then he did, went on to do uh, a little bit, uh, a few things for Marvel and DC, did some star Wars. Oh, he, uh, yeah. he said he was thinking of the writer. My bad. Um, yes, yes, the writer, absolutely. R.A. Jones uh, absolutely has done stuff for us. Uh, R.A. <laughs> Jones did uh, Twilight Grimm, and he's mm -hmm. done uh, White Devil for us. Uh, so. Real quick, we have J. Michael Miller. Uh, always always got to back a Silver Lion project. Roland was a great teacher and someone to talk to when I interviewed with Marvel. That is awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I was going to say, you, 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 you've left a quite uh, big impression on a lot of different people I've talked to. Uh, I hope it's all been good. Yeah, it's all, a lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of it's, it's been awesome, man. So let, um, you're teaching, like, what, what do you do with that? You know, let's, let's break down a little bit of that as well. I don't think we really got to talk about that last time. So, um... So hopefully J. Michael can confirm this. Um, one of the things I hope in my, I, I'll tell you what my class is in just a second, but one of the things I hope that I can do in my class and one of the things I always want to do in my classes is, is uh, I believe, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest I'm a good teacher, but what I do believe about teachers, I believe that uh, passion can be contagious, right? Yeah. Um, if you if you study something from someone who clearly loves the content, your your experience as a student is going to be far better than if you're if you're under a teacher who's just like, here's the stuff, go learn it, mm -hmm. go you know now get get out of my face. Um, so one of the things I try to do in, in my class is always say, okay, look, here's the deal. I love because I do right. This is not I don't lie to them. It's like I love comic books. Mm -hmm. I get to teach you comic books. My class, Cody, is writing comic books and graphic novels. That's 
that's my class. That's that's what I teach in our university program here. Part of the creative writing program. Every single month. So I you do it at a, you do it at a school? I do it at a university. Yep. That is so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. It's part of a, uh, a creative writing program. Um, if, uh, if you, if you want to come to where I teach at Full Sail University, uh, which is an entertainment university, mm-hmm. our, our three big programs are film, uh, recording arts and uh, game design, right? So creative writing is not a major program there, but, but you know, those are the three big ones, but we're, we're a tiny program in the university. But, uh, if you come to Full Sail and you want to get your degree in creative writing, you take my class. And and that's all we do. We read comic books and we we write comic books. And that's so funny. Like probably 15 years ago, I almost went to Full Sail like for music. Yeah, <laughs> so you, yeah. It's a big program here. Oh man, yeah. that is hilarious. That what a small yeah. world. What a small world. Do you do like online stuff too, or is it all just in class? Yep. Online, online, and on campus. I, I I do a mixture of both. It's it's usually about 50-50. Oh, that is so cool. That is so yeah. cool. So uh, yep. when did you start doing that? Like, Dude. like how how did you get involved with that? That like to do it from full sale too. That is like it just seems like it's so cool. Well, so so backtrack to when I said you know I went back to school, got a degree, and started teaching after the whole after uh, I shut down uh, Silverline. Um, you know, I started off, but the, the thing was, even though I had spent more than a decade as a professional, I was entering the teaching field as a as a rookie, right? They mm-hmm. basically. And the weird thing is, one of the things I discovered, the weird thing is um, universities did not view comic books. It's changed a little bit, but at the time I had this resume where, you know, I had, again, I'd spent more than a decade in the industry. Some of that time I was an editor at, at, at Marvel Comics. And yet when I would interview at universities, they would go, huh, that's interesting. That's it. It's like, oh, you were a janitor at the Seven Eleven. That's it. Yeah, it's like, what? What, what yeah. do you mean? That's interesting. Like, I, I work for who you want to be. Like, it, it, it made zero difference to them at all. They, it, it, in fact, most of them could care less. They just mm-hmm. did not. They did not. They did not care about comic books, and so it benefited me zero. Right? I had it, and my entire ten years on a career benefited me zero. Um, so I, you know, I started off teaching, uh, as an adjunct and then I went and it got, and once I got to get full-time jobs, I was teaching, you know, the, the lowest levels. I was always mm-hmm. English comp and things like that, which I, I, you know, I didn't mind. I enjoy English comp. Right. But, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do something more and I was at a university. Okay. Here, here's, here's, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything so people don't figure things out. But I was at a university and I was teaching ESL and English comp. Okay. And they had a creative writing class that only happened every other year. Right. One creative writing class that happened every other year. So I approached the department chair and I said, hey, why don't you let me uh, teach creative writing and I can do it every, you know, once a semester because I've had a career in it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And literally they're like, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to make it a name. Well, Mr. Brown teaches that class. I'm like, okay, well, Mr. Brown hasn't published anything. Well, he's written. A novel. <laughs> I, 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 I said this. I was like, they said, but here's, here's what frustrated me. Well, he's written a novel. I said, well, did he have it published? Well, no, but he's written one. Well, so have I. I've yeah. got one in my drawer too. So well, who cares? I'm like, I've published, you know, in, in magazines and in newspapers and in comic books. I've been, you know, uh, distributed worldwide. Well, 
Mr. Brown has written a novel. <laughs> I was like, and the thing I learned there was that they did not care about any of that. Mr. Brown had written a novel. I had only written comic books, right? So like when you left out of there, did you want to just go beat the bonkers out of Mr. Brown? Like you, you see him like, you know what, screw you and that novel. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't him so much It was as it was the department chair. Uh, you know, bravo to Mr. Brown for writing a novel. Good for him, right? <laughs> get but it published. Like, yeah, yeah, get it published. Come on, right? So, uh, so my frustration was I incredibly high, and um, and, and so I kind of found out that as I began to, to to sort of look around, I kind of found out that okay, well, I can either do one of two things. I can either uh, figure out how to get a novel published right even though i had written one i had to figure out how to get one published or i could go back and get a doctorate degree i didn't really want to go back to school but i'm like okay if this is what because because again i wanted to teach creative writing that's what mm -hmm. i wanted to do that's where you know that's what i enjoyed that i found that when i was an editor um not, not initially but but towards the end of uh my time as an editor i did a lot of teaching anyway i i, I was the manager of our intern program i know oversaw our editorial assistants so i did a lot of training right a lot of teaching and i found i enjoyed that um so so i wanted to get into into teaching that but they wouldn't let me because you know my 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 career in comics meant nothing and my degree wasn't really enough to get me into that class right mm -hmm. so um so i actually went back to school again um well actually let me backtrack a little bit so i went to interview uh, I, got, I got accepted into a doctorate program in uh, at southern mississippi and i went down to talk to the director and uh, I had about a four hour meeting with him and, and he was just as candid as could be. He said, so what do you want to do? I said, well, here's the deal. I said, I just want to teach. I, I want to be able to teach creative writing. No one will hire me to teach this. I can get hired as a teacher, right? And teach, you know, mm -hmm. uh, English comp and stuff like that. But I said, no one will hire me to do this because they don't care about my comics. And he goes, well, you don't need a doctorate degree then. He said, just get an MFA. He said, a doctorate degree is going to take you three to four years. What's an uh, MFA? An MFA stands for a Master of Fine Arts. It is a terminal degree. It is equivalent, right? It is equal to a doctorate degree, all right? But it's, it's a specialized degree. So when you... If you look at someone who holds a doctorate and someone who holds an MFA, those two people should be equal, right, in their standing towards this one thing. Mm -hmm. So the the difference between like for my MFA and a doctorate degree is that I didn't have to have foreign languages. That's the big difference. My my and I didn't have to, I didn't have to have foreign languages and I didn't have to have um, non specialization courses, right? So if you were going to get a, a, a creative writing PhD, you'd have creative writing courses, but then you might also have, you know, classes on Hemingway and Shakespeare and, and things like that, right? As far as the foreign languages. And I didn't really want to take a foreign language, to be honest with you. Uh, I struggle enough with English as it is. Um, You're so... an English teacher. Come on. <laughs> what do you mean? But, but I am from the South, so, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so after some uh, after some heavy heavy consideration, I'm like, well, you know, really, I am just doing this because he said you could go get a PhD if you want to teach something other than creative writing. Like if you want to go be a Shakespeare specialist, you would need that PhD. Mm -hmm. But I said that's not what I want. I, I I'm not going to do it to to 
I don't want it to do research. I don't want it to do, you know, to publish academic books on Shakespeare or Hemingway or anything like that. I said, I, 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 I want to teach creative writing with this degree. So I did. I went and I got an MFA, earned it in two years, and immediately started applying for jobs. And You were determined uh, to get this position. <laughs> Holy crap, I love it. Well, the funny thing is, is like, so so as soon as I got my degree, again, you know, or actually before I got my degree, I started looking for these creative writing jobs, and I started applying right and left. And I had some, and, and, and unlike before I had my MFA, I had some really close calls. I was, I was top three candidates for a couple of different schools. One of them I thought was going to hire me, but I don't know what happened. Uh, and then I saw this advertisement for a, a portfolio director, uh, oh shoot, what was it? Uh, a portfolio director in, um, at Full Sail University. Well, my first thing was like, what's a Full Sail University? I have heard of that. <laughs> Two, what's a portfolio director? Well, I read it and it was basically you're, you're reading and, and uh, you're reading and directing student scripts. I'm like, I can do that. Cool. I applied, dude. Next day, the director called me and said, uh, we want to interview you. Really? Okay. <laughs> You're and like, then, what? I, well, so, and the cool thing is the first thing, once, once I did my interview, I did my interview with her and then I did a, a follow-up group uh, interview. The first thing she, she asked me, she said, so I see that you used to work for Marvel. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Cause I got to tell you a story about this. And I'm like, and I'm like, yeah. She goes, that is so cool, right? And, she and said, you're like, oh my god, like. Sh so 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 yeah. So um, so but I was a little worried at first. But she's like, yeah, we love that. She goes, that well, that's a sales pitch to our students. Well, I can. She says, I can tell our prospective students, hey, you're going to come into this class and you're going to learn how to write comics from a formal Marvel comics editor. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's cool. So the reason I was worried about this, though, dude, um, a school in I was a I was the top candidate. Oh, excuse me. No, no, I'm getting these two confused. So I got a call and I thought I was in the top three candidates from a school in I think it was Indiana. OK, got called me up, asked me a few questions, and but but almost immediately went to the Marvel thing and started asking me questions. Oh, did you work with this person? What did you do there? Da, 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 da. And we talked for 30 minutes and I was like, man, this is good. I've really, I've mm -hmm. got, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Right. And so after about 30 minutes, we haven't really talked anything about the job. So I said, so, um, so I do have a couple questions about the job. He goes, oh, you're not in consideration about the job. He said, he goes, I just saw that you worked for Marvel and I thought that was pretty cool and wanted to talk to you. Oh my God. What the heck? I'm like, dude, that is not cool. And I'm like, okay, well then, thank you. And I was like, I, I'm not going to ask anymore. If, if I'm not even in the running, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> you get a one-star Google rating. Oh, man. That, <laughs> real, that real, just... real quick, um, we have J. Michael Miller over on YouTube. Definitely one of the most engaging instructors. Top three favorite classes at Full Sail. Oh. We have uh, the Nerd People Forgot. I wrote a, a novel my freshman year. Am I qualified? Hyper Potato. Algebra was a foreign language to me. I think I've backed <laughs> every one of Roland's projects. Been yes, very pleased and will to. continue to back. <laughs> that is you, so Hyper. awesome. Uh, the nerd people forgot uh, calling uh, that school uh, punks. Yeah, dude. Screw them. Holy <laughs> crap. I would have been so mad. I would have been like, listen, dog. <laughs> I, got, I got some choice words for you right now. Man, I, I, I was I was not happy at all. I was like, what? What? Really? Come on. <laughs> 
you know, lead with that. Tell me, like, look, you're not you're not in the running, but I saw that you work for for Marvel, and I just kind of want to talk to you a little bit. You know, because that, that's like, oh man, like you're so hyped. You're like, okay, thirty minutes, like, give me the juice. There's no that's juice, it. like. <laughs> I you know I thought I'm thinking, man, this is good. I, I, you know, this guy not not only is he interested for you know for me to to teach there, but he's interested in comics, which means I have you know because again, all of my frustrations about the comics career is like suddenly, okay, here's someone who will appreciate that, right? Mm -hmm. Nah, he just wanted to talk to me because nah. he's cool. So, you call oh, your you, you had... Marvel, like, hey, if you see this guy, shut well, the door on him. Yeah, it's like, oh, you had lunch with Stan Lee? That's so cool. Tell me about that. Like, really? Dude? It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I was. I so was... wait, you had lunch with Stan Lee? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Hey, we can save that for another another conversation. We, we, we need, let's get back on track, though. Okay. Uh, we are here to break down three comics. Trump's issue number three, Teen Beetle issue number two, and Switchblade issue number two. Give us a little bit of a breakdown of what those comics are. I mean, because they, I had the chance to read all the issues number one. Thank you so much for sending me those PDFs. Absolutely. And holy crap, they were such like insane reads. Like Trump's was like, you take a deck of cards and then you like throw like a love triangle war into it. And it's like, holy crap, what what is going on? You have... <laughs> You have the, the the king king of diamonds. His wife is not doing too hot, and then his you know the jack is banging the queen of spades. Like what is going on? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, someone told me um, someone someone who read it said uh, they said yeah, it's like uh, Game of Thrones without all the nudity. And I'm like yes, okay. yes. That's <laughs> like. Uh, I said, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll accept that. Well, you know, so so as a as a student of history, right? I, I absolutely love uh, history. Now, my specialty is American history; is, is where I, I, I'm interested in. But another period of, of history that interests me is European uh, history in, in like the uh, you know 15, 16, 1700s, things like that. All the rulers over there, they were kin to each other, right? Mm -hmm. They were cousins and brothers and, and you know, uh, here, you're going to marry your cousin to keep the peace in this. And so um, that, you know, that always fascinated me. And so once when I started doing Trumps, you know, with the idea, you know, came from the card games, I said, well, so what I want to do is make these kingdoms like, like, you know, early Europe. I want them to be, <laughs> I want them to be related so that they're, that these wars are not just a card game. They're like family squabbles, right? And so um, that's where, you know, you talk about the Jack and the Queen, uh, you know, and, and, and the Jack and the Queen, if you uh, if you play much cards, right? This is a pinochle deck here. Uh, a Jack of Diamonds and a Queen of Spades make a pinochle. And did you pay attention to which Jack and which Diamond that was? Uh, so it was the, uh, the offsuit, wasn't it? It was the Queen of Spades. Right and the Jack of Diamonds, right, which mm -hmm. is a pinochle if you're playing cards. See, I, so, I never played a lot of pinochle. I was more yeah. euchre and spades. Well, and, and and no, and that's fine. So so here's here's the thing that I tried to do about it, right? So I tried to do is like if you are not familiar with pinochle, you still see a queen of one suit with a jack yeah, of another yeah, suit, yeah, right? A, a black suit and a red suit, right? You still see that, so you know there's something wonky going on, right? If you're a pinochle player, then you're gonna go wait, wait, wait. That's the uh, the jack of diamonds and the queen of spades. That's a pinochle, right? I love that so, though. So yeah, I tried to I, I tried to put things like that into uh, into the comic. So one of the things you're gonna learn in issue two is that the queen of uh, hearts and the queen of diamonds are sisters, right? 
we don't learn that in the first issue. You don't really need to know it in the first issue. But but in the second issue, we we learn that the Queen of Hearts and the Red Queens, right, are mm-hmm. sisters. Um, so I want to do things like that in the world so that it sort of mimics what, you know, uh, historical Europe was and all their squabbles. Um, shoot, I forgot what the original question was. <laughs> oh, uh, oh. I, I, go on, wait, which one of us going? <laughs> You, you go. Because I'm not sure I remember exactly what the question was. I mean, you know, me either. I, I got so immersed by your response. I'm like, dude, I forgot what I originally asked. This is like, this is insane. I love how you included Pinochle. I know uh, when I first read it, there was a lot of card references. Like the yes. time is, is, is measured by hands. And then there's the big shuffle. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. these are hitting all the, the all, all of it like right on the head. Uh, and I was wondering what card game it was influencing the most. So hearing that it was Pinochle kind of answers that question for me. But what was kind of the inspiration to do this? It was really, it was such a unique spin to see uh, these cards and the way they're ranked up to they're ranked by their numbers and stuff. So the higher the number, the higher the ranking. Like I just thought everything was just so spot on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, so uh, the origin of it is uh, my, my family plays a lot of card games. So when, when we get together, you know, at hot Christmas and July 4th and family gather, you know, whatever, whenever we get together, we play a lot of cards. Um, we, you know, I, I come from a family of farmers, so we don't play complicated <laughs> games. We play games like hand and foot, pig. Uh, we play uh, uh, Shanghai Rummy and we play um, uh, Pinochle. Uh, now my parents used to play a lot of Rook, but I, I didn't. I, I never really played much Rook. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really like Pinochle quite a bit. I, I like it a lot. And, and one day we were sitting around the table playing Pinochle, and um, the thought just occurred to me: you know, wouldn't it be wild if these were actually kingdoms at war, and we are sitting here directing the war? You know, like I'm playing this card, and you're playing this card, and and the kingdoms have to go to war based on on that kind of thing. And that was kind of the um, that was kind of the, the the germ of the idea. But then I started thinking about that. I'm like, you know, that 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 would be kind of cool if these were like real kingdoms, mm-hmm. and you actually had you know a kingdom of hearts, and there was a kingdom of clubs, and and they were at war. And ooh, the one who wins, the one who has the power, those are the trumps because in you know in card games you have a suit that is the trumps, yep. and they're the they're the most powerful. A suit in the game, whatever you have a trump card, right? They're the most powerful game, or most powerful cards in the in the deck. And so I started thinking, oh well, they're they're fighting to be trumps, and there's only one of them. And so one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, and <laughs> and, uh, and that's that's where we are. So, so. Uh, the next one in this Kickstarter, uh, Teen Beetle, uh, this mm-hmm. was another interesting one too. Uh, it was kind of more towards uh, the superhero uh, side of things. Yep. It felt like. And it was really interesting, too, because, uh, you know, you start off with a pretty horrific uh, crime that happened. You know, we see these two uh, lovebirds are just beaten down brutally. And yeah. um, Team Beetle is a, a kid. It, 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 like, yeah. it, it threw me off. You know, uh, what is a, what's his origin story and kind of what's what's his deal? You know, what's his uh, gimmick? So, so Team Beetle is actually written by uh, John Crowther. So uh, not not one that, that I wrote, but written by John Crowther. Um so a lot of people are familiar with blue beetle and a lot Mm -hmm. of people think blue beetle is owned by dc comics the truth of the matter is that there are elements of the blue beetle that are public domain and so so dc comics has a very particular aspect of blue beetle 
that they control. So you can't do anything what DC does. But there are elements, the elements like Dan Garrett uh, is the original Blue Beetle. Um, the formula, I forget the name of the formula right off the top of my head, 2, 2X or something like that. Uh, that's all public domain. So John's concept was, okay, let me take the, the original Blue Beetle because he, he changed into the Blue Beetle using a formula <laughs> and his, uh, his descendant discovers, excuse me, rediscovers the, the formula. He tries to figure it out. He rediscovers the formula and then he takes the formula uh, and turns himself into instead of the blue beetle, he turns himself into teen beetle, right? I love it so much. Like, let that's crazy. Like, so what makes it public domain? Like, is the the patent on it like expired? Were they not able to like redo that? Like, yeah, yeah. The um, yeah. Over time, if you don't uh, if you don't use it, um, your your trademarks, your copyrights will expire. Is that why um, DC started like, you know, because there, there was a, a point in time where DC really started going ham on Blue Beetle. Like Blue Beetle all of a sudden was like just in everything it felt like uh, a couple years back. Yeah. yeah. So so one of the things and I, I, don't, I don't I don't know the answer to that specifically, mm -hmm. but probably yes. Um, so so one of the things that you'll find Marvel and DC both will do is that they will periodically uh, publish characters that you think no one is interested in this character why why are we having okay. why are you doing them you know they're just trying to maintain ownership of their copyrights and their trademarks no, now, that makes sense. yeah yeah so as long as they can as long as they can keep things and see here's where digital um digital changes things because technically if it's available digital digitally it's perpetually in 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 uh uh in in, in publication right so the copyright laws have changed uh, to to reflect a digital. Uh, you know the, the the mouse is coming up uh, issued. You know the, the I see the two or three times I can't remember. You know uh, two or three times Mickey Mouse was scheduled to be public domain. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yep, and and, and the the big powerful behemoth that is Disney sick their lawyers on congress and got the copyright laws changed literally at least twice it may mm -hmm. be three times i can't remember this is how powerful disney is right so so what happens is they got to extent now as a result that that extends other copyrights so it's not just for mickey mouse but it's for all of them right but i think it's in 23 it's either 23 or 24 i think it's 23 mickey mouse is supposed to be public domain again supposed to go to go into so it's going to be interesting to see what disney does over the, the course of the next year or so yeah to, yeah to lobby uh congress to get laws changed again so uh, real quick we have uh my good friend aaron over on youtube stopping and then throw some hard eyes and saying 23 yeah 2023 and then that nerd people forgot saying fox comic copyright expired so that's for blue beetle okay yeah yeah um, yeah, and the thing is, so, so, so let me give you an example of, of how it could be weird. Okay, so, um, so I did an adaptation of The Wizard of Oz, the, mm -hmm. the novel, okay? Now, the novel was published in the early 1900s, I want to say 1915, something like that. Don't, don't hold me to the exact date, but I think 1915. Well, you know, MGM did a movie in, what, uh, the, the 30, 39, is that what it was? Just before World War II, I think. So they made changes to the the content for the movie. So, for instance, uh, Dorothy in the book doesn't have uh, ruby red slippers. 
she she has like silver slippers and uh in the movie the uh, the witch gives her the the ruby slippers as the mark of the witch right so people see the ruby slippers oh you've got the protection of glinda right in the book uh, uh the good witch kisses dorothy on the forehead and literally leaves a lip smack on her forehead right so Dorothy walks around the entire book with a big lip smack on her forehead. People see that and go, oh, you have the mark of the witch, mm-hmm. right? So they know to leave her alone. Well, I guess they decided that um, Judy Garland would not look uh, attractive walking around with a lip imprint on her head for the whole movie. So they changed yeah. it to Ruby Slippers. So here's the deal. If you go to do a, 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 a Wizard of Oz thing right because it was Roz's public domain you cannot use ruby slippers because mgm owns that idea in it right? i got you they yeah, don't yeah. own the wizard of oz but they own that idea they took that and changed it so they own that until their co- i don't know when their copyright uh expired. man you just gotta do uh silver line slippers then <laughs> right yeah <laughs> real, real quick we have a hyper potato saying i believe oz movie was 1939 aaron over on youtube saying fun fact the snow in the movie was shredded uh abestos uh, yeah another Ooh. fun fact is the original one you could see uh one of the the dwarves uh, hung himself so you could see uh um i forgot what it was but um there was something in the background you could see someone climb up on a ladder and hang themselves and swing um it was uh the the very first original production of it i think Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Dorothy and wearing a fresh pair of Jordans. Still... <laughs> What's that? Dorothy wearing Jordans. Yeah, yeah. Someone say uh, you can make a new one with Dorothy wearing a fresh pair of Jordans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So copyright uh, laws are weird. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, so what? I, what I do know though is that um, that part of Blue Beetle is public domain. That's the part that we have used. We're not trying to do anything. You know, we're not t- trying to agitate DC at all. We want to stay far away from them. Yeah. Um, and they, they know it because a lot of people have done, uh, you know, I should say a lot of people. There have been enough Blue Beetle things out there that they're they're like, yeah, we it's public domain. As long as you don't do what we're doing, you know. And, and, and the other thing is this, right? If we were to put Blue Beetle on the cover, they might say, okay, hey, hang on a second. We don't want that to be confused with, and this is where the trademark comes mm-hmm. in, right? We don't want people to confuse this with our Blue Beetle, which we've been doing for a long time. What about Scion Beetle? <laughs> right? Yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, enough, enough of the, of, uh, the Blue Beetle. Yeah. Let, let's get to our last book, uh, Switchblade. So Switchblade okay. was another interesting one, too. Uh, this one kind of gave me like an anti-hero vibe because uh, yep. not only is he saving people, but he's also killing them, uh, yep. which was really interesting. I loved uh, the gory aspect of it. I wasn't expecting it, so it was a nice little it was a nice <laughs> little whiplash. I was like, oh my god, he just stabbed this dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this was cool, and he's he's on the run from the police too. So what yep. was kind of your inspiration to go with the with the protagonist of this nature? So, um, true story. He's like, I stabbed someone. (laughs) Well, true story in that I saw on the news, um, something happened where someone had been caught doing something and they, and they also had video of them doing it, but the police, uh, messed up in, in their arresting of them. So they did something 
Um, and I don't remember if it was reading the Miranda rights or, or what, but they, they, they messed up somehow. Right. And it wasn't an intentional mess up. It's just that, that in the heat of the moment, all this mm-hmm. stuff happened and the police messed up. Right. Uh, because of that, this crook got off. Oh, right? wow. Yes. Right. And of course, you know, there was outrage in the, in the community is like, yo, no, this is not right. You know, he, he you know, he did it. You know, you're holding, you know, you're letting him go because somebody made a, a mistake and everybody's human and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people were really angry about that. Right. And so, uh, yeah, that, that just for me, that just flicked the switch. I'm like, OK, well, what if someone was so angry about it? They took it upon themselves to react. And uh, did you ever see um, A Time to Kill? Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, um, Samuel Jackson's character, right? His daughter is, uh, his daughter is, is, I can't remember if she's killed or not, but she's, she's raped. Uh, and she's like seven or something like that, seven, eight, nine. And he hides in the closet when the guy gets off. Uh, he hides in this closet and then comes out and, and, and kills the mm-hmm. guy, right? Um, it's that kind of anger that I was trying yeah, to. You, you, I was going to say that was like, because when I read it, I was like, dude, this dude went through some really dark, horrific stuff. Holy crap. Like, yeah. so I, I'm happy you kind of broke down that influence because that makes like perfect sense. Like this dude's been through the ringer. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I, I wanted to, I wanted to catch that because, you know, a lot of people, me and you and, and normal people, we get angry and we feel helpless, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm angry that this has happened, right? I'm angry that this, this this uh particular lawbreaker everybody knows he's guilty it's clear as you know clear as day we have it on video blah 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 and, and i'm angry that that this happened and you and i are you know we can get angry but we're, we're what are we going to do right we're just people yeah and and so you take that switchblade okay well if this was real this is a guy who says I can do something about it and I'm going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so he does, he takes justice into his own hands. He doesn't consider what he does as a law. He knows it's, it's illegal, right? He knows, he goes like, yeah, I, I know this is not, you know, this is not legal, but this is the right thing to do. This is justice. This is what these people deserve. No, absolutely. Well, yeah. guys, I think with, with that, let's go ahead, take a look at the Kickstarter. We're going to go through it, break some of it down and uh, give you guys a good idea of what we're, uh, what we're here for today. So we are looking at the Silverline Superhero Extravaganza, Trump's issue number three, Team Beetle issue number two, and Switchblade number two. All three comics in one campaign with back issues available too. Currently sitting at 3,476 of 2,500. Congratulations for funding your campaign. That is so awesome, man. 70 backers with 33 hours to go. So we are right on the cusp of a successful campaign. Right there is the link for anyone that is watching that wants to check it out with us. So we're going to go ahead and check out this video right now and see what it's all about. Hi, and welcome to our Kickstarter. I am Roland Mann, and I run Silverline Comics, and this is our 19th Kickstarter. Yes, 19! We have successfully funded and fulfilled 17. Why not 18, you ask? Because we're still in the middle of shipping those books so it'll make it <laughs> we're just now in july so it's going to be on time but i'm here to tell you about the next one this time we've got three comics in one kickstarter but i'm gonna shut up yakking and i'm gonna let me tell you about trumps take it away roland hi <laughs> let me tell you about trumps trumps is a superhero sci-fi story set on the deck yes 
It's about playing cards. There are four kingdoms at war. You might guess hearts, spades, diamonds, and clubs. Yes, they're at war. The one who wins, the one who has the most power, can declare themselves trumped. We don't know who that's going to be. You don't know who that's going to be yet because you've got to back the Kickstarter to find out who's going to win. Which kingdom will be declared trumps? This is number three in a four-issue miniseries, and I'm, I'm happy to tell you four is so close to being done. We'll be kickstarting it very soon. Hi, this is John Crowther. I am the writer and co-creator, along with artist Del Barris of the Teen Beatles series, and I am excited to announce uh, that we are coming back to Kickstarter with Silverline. And uh, once again, uh, we are seeing Teen Beetle in his battle with uh, Dr. Mantis, as Dr. Mantis is trying his hardest uh, to seize the formula for vitamin 2X. Uh, and as you know, that is how Team Beetle gets its power. So uh, join us. Uh, I invite you to join us. Pick up this second exciting issue and uh, get ready for the third one. Switchblade is the story of Scott Nathans. Set in New Orleans, Scott is just a small-time boxer hanging out trying to make day-to-day. But he gets fed up with the justice system when a couple of killers are let loose by the justice system because the policeman forgot to read them their Miranda rights. And everyone knows that they killed this little girl and did nasty, despicable things to him. So Scott decides to take justice into I love his little hands edit. <laughs> and he becomes a switchblade. It's a three-issue miniseries and it's set in the world of cat and mouse, so hope you come along. Don't those sound exciting? Yes, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, they do sound exciting. <laughs> and you, you want them. You know you do. You know you want to pledge. You know you want to push that little button that says pledge. So that's what we need you to do. We need you to go pick out a tier, probably the extravaganza that has all three of them so that you can get all three books. Pick out that tier, pledge, and then tell all of your friends. But look, I know this is tough times, if you can't pledge, do us a favor. Share I love it. this. Share I love with that. people. Say, hey, these are cool people. They make comic books. They ship comic books. You're going to like them. Go support them. Thank you. And remember to make mine Silverline. Such a catchy catchphrase, too. I love it. That's so good. I'm all prepared to be done and you just come out of left field. <laughs> I don't know. Can you hear me again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can hear okay. you. Oh my God. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, you know, the thing about it is uh, my, my wife does most of the, the, the video taking uh, mm -hmm. for us. And so uh, she has us set up back in the room and, and, um, she's often like scoot over here stand right there let me adjust this light and so sometimes i'm just standing there and she's like well scoot over here right and so i will often like Wah! you know and so made the, made the cut we have to look through all of the video we have and see if we i can do like a, a just a thing of outtakes <laughs> so right here is the kickstarter for silverline superhero extravaganza featuring trump's issue three teen beetle issue two and switchblade issue number two remix the other issues are available as add-ons yes so here is a quick yep. look at the story we won't go too in depth with it since we've already kind of broke things down but there is the link in chat for anyone that is interested to look at this with us so of course we have trump's issue three teen beetle issue number two and switchblade 2 remix 
And uh, here are some of the rewards. And of course, this is going to be the same rewards on the other side. Mm -hmm. All right. So for the digitals, for 15 bucks, you're going to get PDFs of all yep. three issues. So what we've seen today, all three comics. And how many pages are those comics? Um, Trump's is 22 pages. Switchblade is 24 pages. And Teen Beetle is 22 pages. So, so that's almost 70 pages of comics for yes. 15 bucks. I mean, yes. outstanding. Uh, for 10 more dollars, you're going to get the extravaganza tier, the Kickstarter exclusive covers. So these covers are just exclusive to the Kickstarter, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, you know, we decided a long time ago, way back at the very beginning, that, that part of the, the attraction for a Kickstarter campaign is that you get something that uh, is not available beyond the, the campaign. And obviously, one of the things is the cover. So, you know, the, like that Trump's cover right there. That's a Stephen Butler homage cover uh, to an Avengers uh, you know, Stephen Butler's got a lot of fans. I am one of them. You know, he was my roommate in college, <laughs> but I'm certainly one of his fans. Uh, and so if you want that Stephen Butler cover on your issue of Trump's, you have to back the Kickstarter because while you can still get Trump's three when the campaign is over, you can't get that cover. Yeah. Well, that makes so, sense. Yeah. And then here's a look at some of the variant covers as well. The A covers. I love how you, uh, you also offer uh, a wide variety of uh, variants for for the covers mm. too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because we we we. I don't think we did that initially, um, but we had we had people start asking for us. Hey, do you have any va uh, va variant covers? And so we're like, well, we can. And so we started doing it, and we've got you know we've got a handful of backers that like, <laughs> hey, I want everything. Give me give me all of your covers. And so uh, so yeah, we 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 kind of fiddled around kind of floundered a little bit as we tried to figure it out mm -hmm. but then we ended up uh coming up with the standard we've got the kickstarter then you've got the a and the b and then the retro so yeah um if we ever decide anything to add anything you know we add c but uh yeah it's pretty 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 straightforward the retros by the way um are all black and white so um the, interior, oh, the interiors as well the interior yeah now the, the covers mm. will be color we just haven't, uh, I haven't actually updated that Switchblade cover, as you can see. Mm -hmm. um, and the Team Beetle, I literally just got the colors for that this morning. Um, so I haven't and had plus, the... And uh, plus, you also do uh, the traditional silver line uh, at the bottom, too, instead of at yes. the top. Yep. That's what, our, that's what our covers look like in the 90s. Um, that, that's, the, that's the layout of the where we put the, the, uh, our names, where we put our logos, where we mm -hmm. put our issue numbers. Um, so that's the exact layout. And the interiors are all black and white. So... That's why we call those our retro editions. Now, here's the assorted interior art. Are there any more tiers that are going to be listed, like on the scroll side of things? Um, I think there is a uh, there's a there are catch up tiers. Okay, so let's go um, through this real quick before we go through okay. the interiors. So for yeah. uh, for ten dollars, uh, that you can get the uh, Teen Beetle issue number two Kickstarter cover, and that's going to be the same price for Switchblade issue number two. And hold on one second, I just want to make sure I don't miss out on any of the tiers because I, I like going through them. So for 20 bucks or more, this is the retailer tier. Right. So uh, for comic book retailers only, uh, you're going to get yes. so five to 10 copies at $4 per copy, uh, 11 to 20 for uh, three, ugh, for three fifty, and then so on and so on. Uh, the more tiers mm -hmm. you, the, you go up, the, the cheaper the price, all right. the way up to 30 plus copies, uh, which is going to get you uh, $3 per copy. So uh, nice little tier for uh, retailers out there. Um, yes. Then right here, we already went over the extravaganza. Mm -hmm. Here's the Trump's completionist. So you get all the variants for Trump's for 25 or more. Yep. 
the Teen Beetle complete uh, completionist, uh, same price, and then the same yep. thing for Switchblade as well. Yep. And then the Extravaganza all digital catch-up tier. So you're gonna get a PDF of issue three, two, and then Switchblade two, plus your name listed as a supporter on the thank you pages. Yes. So uh, that yeah yeah that's that's cool. I I always love getting included on those thank you pages. Yeah. It's, it's always nice when you open them up and you see your name. Like it's such a surreal feeling. So yeah. right here for 45 or more, the extravaganza catch up. So you're gonna get all three comics with the Kickstarter exclusive covers. Plus, Plus. Uh, the, the other issues uh, you might have missed too. So you're gonna yeah. get Trump's issue one, two, and then Teen Beetle one and Switchblade one. So yes. for, for 20 bucks more than the extravaganza tier, you're gonna get all the comics that are gonna go with those issues. Right. That's awesome. And then yeah. for 75 or more, uh, the complete completion, uh, completest. So you're gonna get everything listed above. So all the Kickstarter everything. variants, yeah, all the variants. Uh, the, yeah, that is cool. So how many comics yeah. in this? Uh, in this uh, all all or nothing tier right here. Oh lord, let's see. Uh, what was that? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Is that right? Twelve yeah, comics. Holy 12. crap, dude! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, that we went over the tiers, let's go ahead. Let's get to the juice of it and go through some of these interior pages. Yeah. I didn't want to get to the juice of it, to the dessert of it, until we went through some of the tiers and, and, and checked out what we're what we're back in here. So these aren't the final versions of the pages; they're just showing off the art. So here's some of the right. art for Trump's issue number three, and it looked like the art has changed. You know, it, it looks like the art has like improved since the first one. Was there any different artist or anything? So, so we so a subtle one of the subtle things that I tried to do with this is there's actually a different artist every issue. Okay. There are four. There are four suits. There are four issues. There are four artists. Wow, right? that is so awesome, dude! <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> so, yeah, and, and and issue number four, it will have a different artist. Is as again, you know, it's it it's it's our in issue four is probably seventy percent finished. That's um, so cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I'm already thinking now that we're, we're done, I'm already thinking, okay, I can do covers like this now. And anyway, so, um, <laughs> those gears don't stop churning. They, yeah, they but, do uh, not. The, the nerd yeah. people forget. Uh, that's a smart idea. Uh, yeah, no, it really is. This is, that is so cool. I, Thank you. you know, the fact that you took a, a card game and made it a comic book was already like outstanding, but then you're like, Hey, different artists for each one. That's just, so cool <laughs> yeah so and if you'll notice you can't really see right there um but you might so i can't remember it was so if you remember from reading so no one notices these and, and this is one of the things that, that i like to do let me see if i can i can pull an issue out here so one of the things that i did uh for the page numbers now a lot of people don't number their pages anymore and i don't know what the heck is going on with that i don't know why people don't number their pages in comic books anymore but uh one of the things that i decided to do was can you see the page number there yeah yeah uh well you so you put it inside the clover that's a club, club? right yeah so uh that's for issue two and look at what the page number is for issue one a diamond oh that's so cool so you did the page numbers of what with, yeah. with the suits each, each issue has a different uh, suit that's the, the that's the page number j michael miller over there i can't wait to see the next artist artist suited to the task i see what you Ooh, did there Jay. that's a good one <laughs> so uh teen beetle here's some of the interior uh art for yep. that so who who's teen beetle that's, fighting here uh that's dr mantis that's one of uh, that that is a, a traditional blue beetle uh villain who is also in public domain i should say 
<laughs> so another interesting thing too, because I picked this up because I am observant. Uh, Trump's was mentioned in Team Beetle. It's, they 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 mentioned something about uh, what was it? I, I could have sworn they, they there there was a little editor note uh in, in like during the news part of it, uh where it brought it up. So have you uh have you read have you had the chance to read very many uh comics from the Marvel comics from the seventies? Uh, yeah, every now and then, not like a whole crap load, but uh, every now and then, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Marvel used to do these things called bottoms, okay? And you're talking about something like this, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 Those are called bottoms. And if you if you get a Marvel comic from back then, you will almost always find in a comic a reference, just a one little one little short blurb reference to another comic that Marvel published. Mm -hmm. I love those things. And so I said, you know what? They don't cost us anything to do. I'm going to do that. And so when you, you you're going to find anywhere from like four to four to six bottoms on all of our comics about one of our other comics. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're not obtrusive. They're not part of the story. There's just a little line at the, at the bottom mm -hmm. of the page. that says, Hey, um, you know, whoever would have thought a 12 year old girl could save the world, find out in divinity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I love that too. And then real quick here is some of the, the art for switchblade as mm -hmm. well. By, uh, by Leonard Kirk and Chuck Bordell and then colored by Aiden Belcher. So everybody knows Leonard Kirk or a lot of people know Leonard Kirk from, the the time he spent on, uh, uh Supergirl. And then right here are some of the add-ons too. Oh, so you, yep. yeah, I forgot you do a video with your add-ons, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do that because uh, you know we had uh, we had so many people say I don't know how to do an add-on. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not sure how to do it. So it's just a little video to to help people. Which I think we watched that last time. Uh, I think we did so. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys want to watch it, you got you're gonna have to watch that first interview. You're missing yeah. out on a good interview too. That was a fire one. I think this <laughs> one might be better though. I think this one might be better than the first one. I I, I think I think you're right. And I think the next one will be even better. Ooh, a next one. <laughs> so here's some of the original art. So all yep. the images below represent the original art available as an add-on. Note, there is only one of each of these pages. It's original yes. art. So once it's gone, it's gone. That's right. So yeah. we, we already see some of these have already been purchased and, and brought up. So yep. right here is some of the ones that are available. Yep, that's the Switchblade cover done by Dean Zachary and then inked by Thomas Formanti. Um, and then, of course, the Team Beetle covers are gone. Um, and then the Trump's cover inked by Thomas Formanti is still available. Uh, and then there are interior pages from Switchblade right there. Um, if you ever wanted to own original art, you can own some. Some of them are gone, you can see. Mm -hmm. um, and then there, we also have interior pages from uh, Team Beetle right there by, uh, by Del Barris. So... Uh, no interior pages this issue for Trump's because it was all done digitally. This this artist worked <laughs> digital, so yeah. And this is the, this is the first time we've ever offered uh, t-shirts. And and uh, Cody, one of the things we're we're, we're doing, um, we decided that uh, it, as a way to encourage people, because I want to see, as as I'm sure it doesn't surprise you, I want to I want to go to a convention and I want to see people walking around with. Mm -hmm. with you know the t-shirts that have our characters on them you know so so we haven't decided exactly what it's good because literally we just came up with the idea but uh we've decided that that as a way to encourage people to to also get the the t-shirts is that 
when I go to a convention, if I see you walking around with one of our t-shirts, I'm going to give you a gift, an exclusive gift from Ooh. Silverline that you can't get except to let us see you wearing a t-shirt. I don't know what that gift is. It's probably going to be, I was talking to uh, Kablam, my printer, to see if we can't get some sort of special covers. Um, I'm thinking we may do like a run of special covers that we hold exclusively just for that. So if you want to get one of these, you're going to have to get a t-shirt and wear it to a, mm -hmm. a show. Um, we're definitely going to do that as to what that is yet. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so real, still, real quick, uh, we have uh, that nerd people forgot. I want to ask this while we were kind of still there. Uh, sure. I think about the uh, interior pages. Uh, so you light box pencil to ink on covers. Yes. Yeah, so, so for the covers, uh, <laughs> let's see if I have one handy here. Oop, you can't see that one yet. Um, let's see. I'm going to turn my uh, camera off while I stand up. And uh, Oh, no, you're good. Hey, and, you, uh, guys, you, you guys can't get the exclusive rolling booty shot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hang on a second here. Uh, I can still talk, but uh, I've got... Uh, you're going to have to go to his exclusive website, Only Comics, to get that shot. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, and I gotta stretch my uh, my headphones won't go far enough either. Come on, let go there. Um, okay, let's see here. Cause uh, so what happens is I will get the pencils from like say Stephen Butler, mm -hmm. uh, and then Tommy will take those and he will light box or or Dean Zachary for instance. And Tommy will take those and uh, scan the pencils, and then he will uh, ink digitally those pencils. Um, we had uh, the nerd people forgot. Uh, as a cartoonist, I just get interested in the process. And Hyper Potato calling it only man's. I love that. You, you definitely, <laughs> I, that was something I missed, a, a missed opportunity, and I'm, I'm happy someone <laughs> someone capitalized on it. All right, so here we go. Here's an example. Um, uh, you, your camera's... Okay, let me uh, go ahead and try to see if I can get you uh, a large shot, too. Hold on. Oops. I don't know if there's a way for me to... Here, okay, okay. I guess... <laughs> yeah, I was say, you can click solo. If you're on StreamYard, you can click uh, solo. The Yeah. Okay, so how do I switch to you? Uh, just click the solo on me. Should should, should have. Uh, Are you yeah, effing serious? Is that easy? 123 interviews, and I don't know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this was a uh, a cover that Dean Zachary did for Bear Number One. Wow, okay. that is this crazy. Is, this is the original pencils, right? I know it's in a it's in a bag, so you can see it. But you can see it's uh, Dean Zachary. Uh, cover for bear number one. This is the original pencils. So we took these, we scanned them, right? And then sent the scan to Tommy. Tommy printed them out in blue line, right? And then Tommy inked this. So you can actually see the blue line, right? So it's mm -hmm. in blue, right? And so you can see the markings. So then Tommy inked this. So this is original. So this is, this is actually what's kind of cool. You get two when they'll do that you get two originals right you get the original inks and the original pencils that's so, so cool. yeah so um that's how we get that 
now in the old days, obviously the inkers would ink right over the top of this, mm -hmm. right? So there was there was literally only one page of original art because well, and like the uh, the Teen Beetle interior pages and um, the Switchblade interior pages, that's that that way. They the penciler penciled it, and then the inker inked right over the top of it. Um, yeah. We don't we, we don't always do that even even today like like for instance this is a, a page from Trump uh Silverline team up number mm -hmm. one it seems um, like you have to be extremely confident in your abilities to lay ink right over the pencils like that too right yeah 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 <laughs> you're right but here's the thing that's the way um, that's the way it was done for yeah. you know years and years and years and years and years you know Okay, unsolo me. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, <laughs> that's the way it was done for a long, long time. Um, and, you know, digital has really changed the game, which is which is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And then here is a look at some of the other Silverline comics, and uh, holy crap, like, phew. yep, those those holy are our back crap. issues. When, so when how we many? Talked, uh, Go ahead. When we talked earlier about how many we had done, that's that's them right there. So how many people uh, would you say have worked under Silverline Comics, like since you started doing Kickstarters? Just uh, just in the last few years, probably close to 60 people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We, we, we got a, we've got a really cool crew. We got, uh, you know, um, folks who just like and, uh, and want to like comics and want to make them, you know? Mm -hmm. That's but, so uh, awesome. Yeah. And yeah, then here are the creators. Uh, yep. For Trump's uh, man of the hour himself, right here, Roland Mann, and then Quentin Bedwell and Mickey uh, Clausen as the colors. Mm -hmm. Yep. Team Beetle, we have John Crowther, Del Barris. Barris. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Barris. Yep. Jeremy Caw and Mike Belcher as the letter. Yep. Switchblade, uh, the man of the hour himself again, Roland Mann. <laughs> I love how you have different pictures as well. <laughs> <laughs> well one to the right, one to the left. That. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have uh, Leonard uh, Kirk, Chuck Bordell. Aiden Belcher, are they related? Aiden and uh, yes, a Aiden Belcher is Mike Belcher's son. Yeah, okay, yeah, I was gonna say these two, yeah. like, I uh, that's so what a small world. So, it one's is, a letterer, yeah. one's a colorist. Do they do a lot of things uh, as father son duos? Yes, they do, and that's actually how I that's actually how I got to meet Aiden is that Mike actually does his own book called Man in the Mask, very good book, I recommend it. Uh, uh, it's just called Man in the Mask, and um, Aiden when he i don't know how old he was when he started probably 16 might probably confirm this but uh aiden was about 16 when he started coloring his dad's comic when he started coloring so Man freaking the cool dude a uh, few I was years ago oh go ahead no go ahead well a few years ago i uh i went to a, a show in uh, uh pikeville kentucky and um mike and aiden were both there now i've known mike for for you know, years he did some early some work for me, but way back at, twenty years ago with Silverline, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I did a show with him, and I got to to meet Aiden, and that's kind of when I realized, oh wait, Aiden does all these colors; these are pretty good. And so I, I you know, Aiden was still he wasn't eighteen yet, but I, so I asked Mike, I said, do you think he'd be interested in coloring anything else other than than your book, or is he, you know, kind of a, you know, <laughs> what what is that? And he goes, I don't know. Let's ask him. So, uh, so he did, and Aiden's like, "Yeah." So I said, "Okay, Aiden, here's Switchblade. Go to it." <laughs> That's so cool. That is so yep. awesome. I was talking to another person who uh, they were having uh, 
a colorist on the team uh, worked for them and the colorist wanted to know if it was okay for uh, their kid to like be involved on the project and, and, and knock out some flats. And I love when that happens, when you see yeah. like, you know, uh, family in comics working together like that. And yeah. then of course we have Brad uh, Pompt, is, is it? Pompty. Pompty as a yeah. letterer. Um, and then Risk and Challenge, of course, uh, you know, you guys can't control any sort of pandemic or any sort of paper shortages, but this is, you're, you've already successfully shipped out 16 Kickstarters well, on time. Yeah, I forgot uh, to update the number, didn't I? 17 <laughs> Kickstarters on time. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, killing it, killing it, man. That is so awesome. Was there anything we missed with this Kickstarter? No, sir. I think you got it all. Um, well, real quick, we have uh, the Nerd People Forget. I'm going to be checking uh, nearly every day until those submissions open. <laughs> yeah, so here's the story behind that, okay? So, because uh, I, I get people occasionally ask me about submissions. And and here's the thing. Like I said, when, when, when I first started doing this again, you know, several years ago, I just wanted to make comics. I was just like, you know what? I miss making comics. I want to make comics. I just want to go make comics. And um, then the you know the the people that I assembled with are like, hey, I got a comic idea. We should do this. And you know you know silver. And, and then that's when they're like, bring Silverline back. So we're like, okay, we can do that if you guys will help me. So we actually took submissions, right? We said, okay, we'll take some submissions. We had a submission thing open, dude. We went from doing like three comics to suddenly we had twenty. I, I kid you not, we have like twenty slated. And I just said stop i can't do anymore i can't <laughs> that's like me with interviews dude it's like you start out doing a couple you're like this is you know this, maybe i'll take on one or two and then all of a sudden it's like oh crap i'm overwhelmed <laughs> yeah yeah and then you go to you start using your calendar thing right mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you're like i can't keep up this anymore calendar yeah so um yeah so i i had to i had to just put a stop to it and i said you know number one we have to finish what we have we can't so I, I know I, I lost probably a, probably two backers. So one of them was really angry. Um, the other one was just like, hey, you know, what are you guys doing? Uh, because we had like three Kickstarters in a row that we were like, you know, number one, number one, number one. And he's like, you keep launching these new titles, but you don't finish the others. And, and I try to explain to him, it's like, here's the deal. We are all, we all, except for, you know, like two of us, Barb is retired, but everybody else, we got jobs, you know, mm -hmm. I can't do a book a month because I have my, my job to do, but I've done a book. Somebody else has done a book while I'm doing the next issue. We're kickstarting their first issue, mm -hmm. but he was like, you're just starting number new number, you know, new, new titles. And I, I want to finish the old ones. And I'm like, I, I get it. I understand. I really do. I promise you we're going to finish them. Uh, it, it's just that, that it's slower than, than I think he was accustomed to, because I, I think he's used to buying, you know, off the racks. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, we, we, we can't keep that kind of pace because we, you know, we have other responsibilities that we have to do. And comics for us is, is a, you know, you can call it a hobby, I guess, a part-time job. Uh, but for most of, of folks who work in Silverline is like, we have to pay our bills some mm -hmm. other way. So we have to do our comics um, secondary. Now, I spend a lot of hours working on comics, but um, there's still only, only so much we can do. Um, so to say all that is like, yeah, I had to close down submissions because I was like, yeah, we, we, we have to finish some of what we have once we get through with some of this. So at this point, we have finished Kalis, right? It's been a miniseries. It's finished. We are um, Switchblade 3. 
since we're kickstarting this one is done. Switchblade mm-hmm. Three is done. Uh, Twilight Grim number four is done. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the only ones that we have, you know, finished at this point. Now we've got a couple that are close. Cat and Mouse number four is, is close to being finished. Trump's number four is close to being finished. So, um, so we're close. You know, we're getting, we're we're finally getting there. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's. I, I just can't open them at this point in time just because we just, you know, I just, I, yeah. I don't have enough hours in my day. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. So uh, on that note, though, um, let's begin wrapping things up. And I, I, okay. I do, you know, that nerd uh, people forgot asked a question earlier. I didn't forget um, perfect segue. I needed it. Uh, he wanted to know a little bit more about that lunch with Stan Lee. Can you give us just a little bit of juice with that? You know, uh, how did that happen? <laughs> So the how it happened is real easy. Um, and, and the how it happened is all thanks to uh, the Malibu Comics editor in chief, Chris Allen. Um, when when Marvel purchased Malibu, one of the things they asked the Malibu editorial is said, "What do you guys want? Can, what can we do for you, right, to to help you?" Chris Allen said, "We'd like to have lunch with Stan Lee," <laughs> and they were like, "We think we can arrange that." And so it was just as easy as that. The the there was about I want to say there was about five of us uh, from Malibu Editorial that went out to lunch with Stanley, and I was one of the the, the honored ones. Who I got to sit right beside him. Oh so I man! I sat right beside Stanley, and we had I don't know about a two two three hour lunch, something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, and and you know I can't even tell you what we had. I just can tell you I remember Stanley just talking the entire time and just telling stories and and uh, you know it's exactly the way you imagine it to be, exactly that way. The because every you know, Stanley's personality um, in private like that was the same as you see it everywhere else. That's right? awesome. Uh, and, and so his the lunch was. It, how you imagine it is exactly how it was. And exactly. We have that nerd people forget in dinner with Jack Kirby stories too. So you were you ate no, with Jack Kirby too? No, no. I, I'm actually I'm actually really angry at one of the Malibu people because of that. So when I moved, <laughs> Jack, Jack, Jack was still alive when I moved to California. Okay, and uh, the publisher Dave Ulbrich, um used to go see Jack on the regular basis. I'm gonna say mm-hmm. he used to see Jack about once a month. When I first moved out there, he told me, he says, hey, one of these times I go see Jack, you come with me and, and you get to hang out. I'm like, yes, please. Absolutely. Yeah, let's yeah I'm in. Right. And I, I think he went to see him a couple of times and I didn't go. Uh, and then uh, when, it wasn't long after that that Jack died. I wasn't in California very long before before Jack died. So I never I got to meet Jack at a convention and shake his hand. So mm-hmm. I, I did meet him. Um, he wouldn't sign my comic because he, he had, um, uh, arthritis in his hand was bothering him at the time. And so he, he wouldn't sign, uh, he wouldn't sign my comic, but, um, I did get to shake his hand and tell him that, uh, you know, I, I, I treasured him and valued his work. And, uh, so that was nice, but I did not get to have dinner with, uh, with Jack, unfortunately. And I'm still uh, mad about that. The nerd people uh, forget saying dreams simply crush. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. And Hyper Potato, that's so cool. I've had dinner with a few comic people. It's been great experience for this fan. I've never really had dinner with a lot of comic people. I've had a lot. I had a lot of talks. Um, I've signed a, a couple NDAs. Uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> Hopefully, one of these days I can share a burger or two with someone. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe if uh, I'm in your neck of the woods, sometimes you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, I, I, I 
I would love to get up your way. I, you know, my problem with conventions is, is, and I'm hoping I get to uh, break bread with uh, Hyper Potato because uh, he's he's closer down my way. Um, you know, my problem is is I don't, I, you know, I have kind of this little radius of shows that I do, mm-hmm. and you're so far away from me that it's, it's it's tough to get up there. But I would love to get up and do some shows in in you know Ohio, Indiana, Illinois. Uh, all, all that kind of. I, I did my first ever show in Pennsylvania in June. Ooh, uh, that was close. That's close. Yep. Yeah. I, I went to Pittsburgh. I went to Three Rivers Comic Con uh, in early June. So uh, my first time ever in the state of Pennsylvania. So that was fun. So I'm, I'm hoping to have some more, you know, first like that to other mm-hmm. to other shows and who knows maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get out there for, uh, you know, events like that. My biggest thing is I have three kids, so it's like lugging yes. three kids with me. Is That is a yeah. feat within itself. Uh, right. We have uh, that nerd people forget. Roland, any stories about the image guys? The, uh, you know, we're, I, Roland made a mention of another interview sometime down the road. I think we'll have to save that talk for next sure. time, you know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I have a little, a little bait to get you guys to come back. With that being said, I think it is time for us to begin wrapping things up. Roland, you know the drill, though. Before we end, we always end strong, and that is with a piece of advice, because as much as this is a nice learning experience for every, everyone, uh, to learn more about you as a creator and your books, uh, it is a nice learning tool for anyone that's watching um, as first-time creators themselves. And with having so many Kickstarters behind you, mm. um, I think you know it's obvious we need to go this route. So what would be your biggest piece of advice for running a Kickstarter and making sure it's successful? Like the, sure. what, what, what can you do to make sure it's successful? Um, be realistic in your goals. Um, set, set realistic expectations. Um, so, so what I don't talk about a lot of times is my very first Kickstarter failed. The, the, the very first one that I ran failed. Um, I, I don't care when I say that in my number, this is my 19th Kickstarter. I don't count that one. I, it, it was, it was, it, it <laughs> failed. And then I waited a while and then run another one. Uh, so be, be realistic in your expectations. The, the other thing is you have to realize how much work it's going to be. I think sometimes we, we think, oh, well, I'm just going to run a Kickstarter and I'll just do this and blah, blah, blah. And then the money will, you know, will come in. It's a lot of work. And, and I think that's <laughs> for people who run a Kickstarter their first time. I think that's one of the things that you hear them frequently say is that I didn't realize that it would take as much time uh, as it as it is. Uh, so get help. If you can get help, get help. Um do as much of it as you can prior build your campaign out you know you get the 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 cool thing is you can go on to kickstarter right now and you can say start campaign create a campaign and you can just start building it even if you're not planning to to launch until january of next year you can start building your campaign Mm -hmm. um and and there's no there's i mean this if you can do that then more power to you because you get a head start on it um, take all the help you can get and and be realistic in your expectations, I, I think. Yeah. Wow, that was good. That is some good piece <laughs> of advice. Thank you so much for that, guys. Hey, yeah. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, be sure to check it out right now. The Kickstarter for Roland's latest three comics right here. If you are unable to back, I loved how you did this call to action. Be sure to share it on your social media platforms because even if you might not like it or be able to afford it, you might have a friend who would love this and this could be their next favorite series and they might not know until you share it. So be sure to hit that share button as often as humanly possible. Roland, thank you so much for coming on here, breaking things down once again with us and 
such a great time i had a blast everyone watching hope you stay dry out there it's been a flood out here in ohio i don't know how it is for everyone else but like power's cutting off i was oh. afraid i was afraid we were gonna die a couple times during this but we made it strong <laughs> Well, you know, I never heard any lightning or anything, so so you're good. And I never saw the, I never saw your power flicker. So, I mean, it's 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 noticeably brighter in here. I don't know if you can notice. It was like super dark in the first half of this, and now it's like the sun's starting to peek out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With that being said, it's time for us to peek out and head out. What an odd dude! I'm just killing it with that segue. Everyone <laughs> watching, are. have a fantastic Saturday afternoon. But most importantly, keep it geekly.